This message is a ministry of From the Fray, a site dedicated to providing hope-filled, battle-worn resources. For more encouraging content, check out fromthefray.com. We're in part four of our uh, series, uh, studying the book of Jonah. I'm out here at an undisclosed location in uh, the missile field, surrounded by a couple hundred of my closest bovine friends. Uh, so if you see or hear the cows in the background, try to ignore them. There's a whole lot more of them than there are of me. I'm grossly outnumbered out here uh, with the cows. But um, Jonah, uh, part four of our study, the storm continues to get worse. It's raging on. And uh, now Jonah offers a solution of his own. Jonah chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Since the storm was getting worse all the time, the sailors asked him, What should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. It's a true statement. All right, so there's a couple ways to view Jonah's offer here to be thrown into the sea. Is he uh, being selfless, offering to sacrifice himself so that everyone else can live? Maybe. Uh, Did he dread the thought of going to Nineveh so much that he didn't want to survive the shipwreck? He'd rather die at sea than have to survive and, and go to Nineveh. Maybe. We don't really know Jonah's motives here. The answer is probably somewhere in the middle, but it, it doesn't matter because what Jonah shows us here, uh, sincere or not, is, is what love looks like. Jonah shows us what love is supposed to look like. Love is characterized by concern, always characterized by concern for the other. Anytime we have more concern for the welfare and well-being of someone else, we're demonstrating love. And, and the world really runs off of it. We have to have it. If parents didn't have more concern for their children and the children's welfare than they did for their own, well, the world would be in an even worse place than it already is. So that's why parents willingly sacrifice of themselves for their kids on a, on a regular basis. And that's really the best word, sacrifice, right? When we, when we play love out all the way to its, its, uh, its eventuality at the end, sacrifice is always waiting there. And if you're familiar with the New Testament at all, it's not hard to, to see some parallels between Jonah and Jesus. Jonah's offer here and Jesus' actual follow-through and what he did. Uh, it's the reason why Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 that the Son of God came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what I'd like to do briefly is just give you some examples, a couple uh, ways in which Jesus is the better Jonah. I want to draw some parallels and show you how Jesus is the better Jonah. Uh, here we go. The Word of God came to Jonah. God spoke to Jonah. However, Jesus is the Word of God. Come down here on earth. Jonah ran away from the Lord's presence. However, Jesus came to earth to bring the Lord's presence to each and every one of us. Jonah ran away from God. Jesus is God who came to earth to save sinners. Jonah slept in a storm in the middle of in a boat in the middle of a storm because he was overwhelmed. Jesus slept in a boat in the middle of a storm because he was completely at peace. Jonah could not calm the storm. However, Jesus, with just a few words, made the storm calm down. Jonah was thrown into the sea to appease the wrath of God. Jesus was taken off of a cross and thrown into the ground to appease the wrath of God. Some were saved from one nation because of what Jonah eventually did. All can be saved from every single nation because of what Jesus did. Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Jesus was in the ground in a tomb for three days and three nights. Jonah is a sinner who needs a Savior. Jesus is Jonah's Savior. All right. He's also ours. He's the Savior that each and every one of us need to surrender our life to. But that's not what happened, at least not early on in this story here. At this point in the story, if we stick with the text, we know that in the middle of the storm, the sailors didn't surrender. They rode harder. 
we're told that they rode harder and harder in the middle of the storm, which is what many of us do, right? When we're in the middle of a storm in our life and we're scared or mad or afraid or anxious or worried, we tend to work harder, row harder, worry harder, think harder. And that's not altogether bad. I don't want to say that. Let me be clear. If there's rowing to be done, then you need to row. Pick up your oar and row. If you haven't rowed all that you can, then row and work hard. But at some point, each of us have to realize that rowing's not enough. We have to surrender our lives to God and his love and his plan for our lives. For all of their rowing in this story, the sailors got absolutely, absolutely nowhere. Peace did not come to them until they finally surrendered. And that's when the water calmed down. So I want you to ask yourself, what is it in your life that you need to surrender to God? What are you holding on to? In what ways are you in a boat running the opposite direction? You're on a treadmill. You're not making any distance, not making any progress. You have nothing to show for all of your rowing except for more frustration and anger and worry. In what ways do you need to surrender? And and I'll be specific. This is what surrender often looks like. It's when we stop asking the why questions. Why, God, why is this happening? We start asking different questions like, who? Who, God, do you want me to be? Who, God, do you want me to love? What? What, God, do you want me to learn in the midst of this? Or what do you want me to do? Where? Where, God, do you want me to go? Or where do you want my family to be? Surrender comes when we put down the why questions and we ask questions that begin with what, who, and where, maybe when. Jonah finally surrendered, and he surrendered inside the belly of the fish. Now, we're at the point of the fish in the story, and I want to say this, because for many people, the fish is a stumbling block for you. I realize that. Uh, could this really happen, right? Can a man really live in the belly of a fish? Is it even possible? I get it. And, and because it's a big deal for many people, I'm going to do a whole separate video at the end of this series, and I'm going to focus directly on the fish and say a few things about the fish, and I'll let you let you decide if uh, the fish is important or not. Uh, I'll leave that up to you. But for now, I just want to say that to focus on the fish is to really miss the point of the story. The fish is nothing but a small footnote in the story, because the story, remember, is about a god who chases after people. So let's not miss the story for the fish. We'll keep with the, with the text for now. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, we read that Jonah prayed to the Lord God from the belly of the fish. If we look back on, the, on our life in the rearview mirror, we're going to see that the majority of the time we grew, it was when we were in the middle of a storm. Right? Nobody asks for storms. I don't want any more in my life. I don't want you to have any more in your life. But if we're honest, those are the times that we grow. Those seasons of life stretches to what seems like the breaking point, And then much to our dismay, uh, we survive. And we come out usually stronger and wiser. I've often encouraged people, including myself, with the fact that you are right now alive after something that you thought you might not have been. You have already lived through the worst times in your life, and chances are you're probably wiser and stronger because of those difficult storms. But, and I'll close with this, let us not make the mistake that storms by themselves automatically make us stronger. They don't. Right, sinking to the bottom, the way Jonah is sinking to the bottom right now, that by itself is not enough just to, to make you stronger in itself. If you want your soul to become stronger in the middle of a storm, you have to surrender. Now, Christians call that prayer, where we communicate with God about our pain and, and draw closer to him through some attempt to, to put words to, to how we feel. So I want to close 
with Jonah's prayer. Uh, just a few words here, from uh, a few verses from Jonah's prayer. Chapter 2 is basically the entire, the, the entire chapter is the prayer from Jonah. I'm just going to read two verses and I'll let those be our final words. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple.